0: Welcome to Pale Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we reflect on Wildbow's most triumvirate work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are here to talk about Pale, or to reflect on Pale, some would say. But before we do that, let's just do a little special announcement, which is that we, and when I say we, I'm including all of the Doof Media Network, are running a fan art contest where you can do fan art to win cool prizes, including the acclaim of the community. And I think a cash prize. Is that right, Elliot?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, We've made the page, but I've forgotten it and I don't have it in front of me. Um, It will be linked in the show notes. Um, Yeah, so this is a, uh, you know, sort of complete fan art contest, Wobbo, basically everything Wobbo except Twig is fair game, (laughs) Um, since that's the only thing we haven't covered. Um, So we're kind of doing this in conjunction uh, with Matthias and Clarence over at uh, Decomposing Worm but send us yep. your pact art your pale art your you know, parahumans if you must art we should uh, say the theme of yes. the
0: fan art contest which is monsters Ooh, which is, i think people will admit applies to pale and pact but also the parahumans universe
1: <laughs> yeah i think it's a pretty good um you know nice general theme so so hit us up we'll We'll put in some special effort to to, you know, make sure there's no spoilers that hit you uh when it comes to voting time. Uh yes. if you're a patron, because it's our patrons who get to vote on the uh, on mm-hmm. the winners.
0: And we, you'll find out if you aren't a patron, we'll tell you how to become a patron later. So stay tuned for that. Also coming up later in the show, we're gonna be talking about out on a limb three point two, out on a limb three point three, the bonus bit from this week, which is called Timelines as well as discussing some pale predictions and answers to our more recent discussion question. Should we get into it? Let's do it. All right. So let's start with out on the limb 3.2, which is from the perspective of Lucy. So, um, Avery's still locked in, uh, in the, uh, the forest ribbon trail and, um, to, in order to get her out, the group is kind of preparing for negotiations. So we begin with a PE lesson, where Lucy and Verona begin preparing for this upcoming negotiation with the Belongers and have a bit of a chit chat with Melissa
1: yeah and like I love how this chapter opens with the line every moment that Avery was gone felt like added weight on Lucy's shoulders because it just <laughs> we can't
0: we can't get into a Lucy chapter without having a bit of a a downer start we
1: Yeah, exactly. It just like as a first line, it just immediately put me in, okay, yep, that's right. We're in Lucy's head Oh, yeah everything's Lucy, yeah. on her shoulders. okay, yeah, she's got a lot of burdens yeah i'm I'm right back on page. Uh, it's great. Yep. Gets
0: us right into a headspace, which is interesting. I mean, I don't think we've touched on too much the idea of uh, these three rotating protagonists, right? Which is something that Wild Bo hasn't really done before outside of interlude arcs or interlude chapters or arcs, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, we I, I find, and this happens in the next chapter as well, which is from Avery's perspective. And the first line is like, Carrie started cackling maniacally or something. And it's great how Walbo manages to find these ways to put us right back. These like shorthands that put us right back in the headspace that we need to be in for each of these characters.
1: Yeah, you're right because it's not something that he's had to deal with in the previous serials. Like because you know the interludes were a step out of the protagonist's point of view, so it's a bit easier to immediately jump back in. Here we've got we're juggling between these three. So these, these little opening lines that sort of put you back in that headspace are super important. Mm. Um, Yeah. I also think it's really fun seeing like Lucy and Verona just interacting normally with their peers here. Um, But like specifically, I I, want to zoom in on the whole Melissa thing because so Lucy basically attempts to kind of reach out and support Melissa and, and obviously Melissa's in a, in a bad place. So um, she's kind of a shit about it, but Realizes she was doing it. She's kind of appropriately ashamed of what she said. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and I think like the big important thing here is Lucy is sort of like it's fine. We'll give you a pass. A- and she she does more than say it. She actually follows through. Like she continues to help Melissa and like offer her a hand and and all this other stuff. Like it's just it kind of made me think about all the stuff we talked about with Booker um a couple of weeks ago, where it was sort of like you know she she's giving melissa a bit of a chance and and she's recognizing Melissa's in a bad place so she's like look i'll let that one slide but no no more of that don't Um, do it again yeah yeah so like yeah i don't know i like i I really liked seeing lucy go ahead with stuff like this
0: yeah um yeah it's great how like she is she's cutting melissa just the right appropriate amount of slack you know like um I think Lucy does get a bit of a rap for being a hard ass, and she kind of is, but she also is fair, right, which is good exactly about her. Um, yeah it's it's a very nice moment, right obviously Melissa is in a rough place, and Lucy recognizes that and and cuts her some slack and it, it's this it's the trio that well not at the moment a trio, but you know the group um they're they're there to solve magical problems but also interpersonal problems they're just uh they're just good <laughs> they're just capital g good
1: yeah, and it's funny how. Lizzie later on kind of writes it off as a bit of like, oh, you know, it's good karma. Um, yeah. But like, I think she's actually just a good person. No. Nah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Elliot, say it ain't so. <laughs> it's sort of, she, she's, she's trying to backwards justify. Um, yeah, it, it's yeah. just good to kind of see her like giving someone else who's having a bad time a, a shot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially Melissa, who's been someone that has received a lot of, I think, unfair animosity from the group right like they're they're always hard on her for the fact that she likes including people basically
1: well i mean the the worst thing about it is melissa seems kind of aware of that because she comments that all of the her other like cheerleading friends they just she's well the thing she says is she's like oh they just find me annoying they're they're only putting Mm. up with me um because they needed someone in my position um Mm. and like i Kind of tempted to believe that she's right because that was sort of the impression the the can of tears had of her. Like up until now, there was always a bit of like, oh, she's a bit annoying and like full on. Um, so like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it, she's someone who really needed uh, uh, somebody to extend an olive branch, and I'm surprised and glad that Lucy was the one to do it.
0: Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. They've so, been good about it. Yeah.
1: So, something else that also came up in my uh, live read is. Uh Lucy has the dog tag with Corporal Bloggins on it, and I kind of made a joke about like, oh, what a like silly filler name. Like the spirits couldn't come <laughs> up with anything. Um, so they just chucked bloggins there. Uh, but it was pointed out to me. Um, that's actually a like term or a like a word used specifically in the Canadian military to talk about like to, as a substitute for a kind of generic name. Like it's mm, kind of like a like phrase. Yeah, it's just like the phrase John Doe, but specifically for the Canadian military so you know oh private bloggins did blah blah mm. blah um and and you know so knowing military culture it probably is supposed to come across as like a silly filler name um mm. but i i thought this was really important in how it is just reminding us about john's kind of mosaic nature like cuz he's john styles but his dog mm. tags which you know from a military standpoint are meant to represent like his name and his identity yeah. Are just like a completely different name.
0: Yes. And a a generic name. Yeah,
1: well. yeah. And right. well, another generic name. I think like John and even John Styles was maybe along similar lines, like a different yes. sort of generic name. I mean, it's yeah. it's proof that there's some Canadian in him. Like he sort of talked about like being drawn to Kennet uh, because one of the people he was built from saw it as home. And um, I mean, I guess the fact that he's got bloggers on his dog tags is is another part of that.
0: Mm. Yeah definitely. Um, so yes, uh, Lucy and Verona uh, use Melissa to get out of school, basically. Um, <laughs> and they go and hitch a ride with Matthew in his ute, where Mariska and Gillamay uh, give them some negotiation lessons for the upcoming conflict. Yes. Um, so the thing I want to touch on, first of all, is the fact that when they get in the ute, Mariska is there, but she's there in this form of like a weird amalgamation of a few bugs caught in a spider's web, specifically three bugs trapped in a dense web of connections that are all in danger from some unknown spider, but also are fighting amongst themselves. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that, You think Mariska's trying to get in their heads a bit or, I don't know.
1: I, hmm. I, you know, she's a fairy, it's just a coincidence. Um, I can't wait for, you know, three chapters later
0: when, you know, Lucy is like, oh, when Mariska was doing this, it signaled to me this, and now maybe like that was the f- this bug form is the first step in a chain of dominoes that are going to fuck them over.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. This didn't really jump out to me at all, but I went back after you wrote that note and read it, and wait, you're so right. So it's a moth, um, which is interesting because the moth activates when Verona talks to it. Um, mm. So it's Verona the moth. Um, but wait, the other yeah. one it, is actually a bat with a centipede in its mouth, and the centipede yes. is sort of struggling. So I, I'm trying to build some sort of metaphor where Avery is the centipede. or I don't know. I don't what know what to do with it.
0: The, the thing that I thought when I... Because the train of thought that led me there is, well, what the fuck? That's such a weird form to take. But I'm like, that could just be it, that it's just a weird thing to do, and that's <laughs> the only reason Risk is doing it. But I don't know. There has to be some reason why she's gone with something... So specific as the form she's taking.
1: Yeah. I, I. Now that you've pointed it out, I'd be totally willing to believe that, you know, however many months down the line, we'll be able to look back at this form and be like, <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Who knows what things are the clues and what things are just weird fairy shit, though? That's the problem.
1: Yeah. I mean, knowing Wabo and having read Pact, like, I'm almost certain it's got significance towards something. It's just, I, I feel like we won't know until it's in retrospect what it was signifying. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, um, fair enough.
1: But, like, I mean, I think the other thing that I sort of got out of Marisica from this segment was, like, this This is when I was like, okay, this is really fucking serious. Because Marisica is just straight up, like, answering questions and telling them what they need to know. <laughs> <Being> <laughs> like,
0: actually she, genuinely helpful.
1: Yeah, she's like, hey, listen- uh, I thought I'd give you some lessons, no traps or ploys. And then Verona asks some follow-up questions and she just answers them. And I was yeah. like, okay, I'm following a conversation with Mariska in it. This is like- It's serious. Yeah, exactly. Like My my assumption is Mariska is doing this, like fighting her nature like this because she's a little bit scared. And I'm like, okay, well, if Mariska taking this seriously, like it's fucking serious. mm I mean, yeah. I guess there's always the chance it's a ploy on a ploy on a ploy. She's doing this as part of the ploy to make them take it seriously. And But mm. fuck, I'm not playing that game. <laughs> I'll, I'll lose. You, you just
0: can't at a certain <laughs> level, right? You just can't go so deep on it.
1: Um, but yeah, so, so Mariska sort of gives them two, well, and Gilamay. He, he shows up halfway through as well. Yeah. Um, sort of give them two chunks of advice. And we'll probably talk about them more like as the negotiations happen. Um but this is where you start to see why I think this had to be a a Lucy chapter specifically Mm. Um, because the two things are sort of don't play Alexander's game. And then also like karma is something you need to be watching for in these conversations.
0: Yeah. And I was kind of halfway through this trip in the Ute when it, when it really jumped out to me of like, I just had this sudden moment of like, we're so beyond the murder of the carmine beast now. Like, It's so, we're so many steps past solving the murder of the Carmine Beast. It, like, it feels like, it feels like we've gone down such a path of events that, that it can't be unintentional, that, that potentially somebody, one of the Kennet others, who's the culprit, whose name is probably Edith, intentionally got the (laughs) the Belanger's interested in Kennet to cause a distraction. But I don't, like, I don't know. It just seems so counterproductive for the Canada for anyone to have done that because obviously like this is such a a problem
1: yeah I I think by the time we get to the extra material there's some directions were definitely being pushed in thinking um with regards to who could be pulling these strings um but yeah I I agree there was actually a point in 3.3 where Lucy talks about the culprit and I was like tripped up on that word and started like tinfolling it during my live read before I meant she before I realized she just meant whoever killed the Carmine Beast. Like I had just yeah. forgotten that that was that part of this story.
0: The yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it's been such a like the the trio have never had the time to really we got the interviews in the first arc, basically. Um and then since then the trio just haven't had the time to deal with it. Like it's just been so many distractions.
1: Yeah. There were a few more interviews in, in October. Yeah. Like I agree where we're in arc three, there's been hungry choir rituals. There's been forest ribbon trails and they still haven't done all the interviews. Like yeah. it's hard not to read this as some sort of intentional, active interference.
0: Yes. Um, they're about to go to fucking Hogwarts. Like,
1: yeah, <laughs> the, uh, ant- the anti Hogwarts, <laughs> sorry. Um,
0: Yeah. uh, Something that I've been really enjoying though is as they've gone through each of these different distractions, they've had like a different other instructing them in them. And it's, it's great because we have things like, we can do things like the fairy here being the mentor for this like hostile negotiation, which is exactly the other that you want to be talking to this about, because it's (laughs) to be talking to about this because it's so like this whole encounter is so about like the tricks of words that are employed, and it's just great that we have fairy being able to be the mentors for that, and you know, Miss was the mentor for the Forest Ribbon Trail, and we can just have like experts dive in and and give advice to the trio in a way that it's very satisfying as an audience member.
1: Yeah, and this is the this is the craziest thing to me about them wanting or needing to go to the Blue Heron Institute is it's a hellhole of of people who like teach you very specific things, but it's like they've got access to like a wider array of, of masters than like Nicolette seems to Um, like, you're right. This is exactly the sort of situation you want a fairy for um, Mm. like on your side. So it's like, yeah, it's all coming back to that stuff of like, I don't think we appreciated how good a situation they were in like relative to a lot of other practitioners. And this, this sort of thing that you're bringing up just highlights like they have so many different people they can tap. It's, like, yeah. great.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, the team arrive at the scene of the negotiations, and Edith is preparing. Yeah, preparing, <laughs> I guess is the only real word for it. Doing some <laughs> insane preparation.
1: I mean, how much did this throw you for a loop, like, the first time I, you were reading I had it? had so
0: much trouble following what exactly she was doing. <laughs> Basically, she, like, coats the entire area in layers of wax, uh, as in a, as a way to you know like imbue her essence into it um wax and candles i should say oh and also she's like outside of her own body
1: there's like four
0: <laughs> different layers of weird shit going on here um
1: yeah one well, the description yeah. opens with uh like a focus on the forest ribbon trail uh Oh, sorry, no, wait the the cabin because the cabin, yeah, and, and there's all the ribbons sort of coming out of it, and and so I was like, mm. oh my god, is the is it like leaking? And then it sort of starts to zoom in on Edith, and I was like, oh, so she stood some she's just doing shit. some weird
0: shit. Yeah, um, it's great. Like I've we haven't really seen what Edith is capable of. This is the first time we've seen Edith do anything, right? Like that isn't teach the girls some pretty much some magic. Trick. And it's great because it's starting to set up that we're going to have the final showdown with Edith after she's revealed to be the murderer. (laughs) And she's going to have all these cool spirit candle wax tricks that are pulled up out of her sleeve. And I'm just really excited for that eventual scene.
1: Yeah. Well, I think something that this scene does, it it really taps into what I specifically love about the, the, the world of, of packed and pale. Um, so my understanding is she's basically imbuing this area with just sort of her essence and setting it up so um like she's basically doing what you do in an RPG where you you know like in Pokemon where you use sunny day to sort of mm-hmm. in, like power up fire type moves and that sort of thing yeah. like that's basically what yeah. she's done. Um yeah. she's supercharging those essences in the area cuz they're her thing. Um but the way she does that is because she can sort of bring the spirit world closer because that's like what candles are used for. Like candles are Mm. symbolically associated with lots of like rituals and and spiritual stuff. And as a spirit of like candles, um, she can tap into that. And it's just one of those things, like what I love about this world it's I never would have predicted that she could do that. But when it's explained to me, I'm like, oh yeah, obviously that makes sense.
0: sense. Exactly.
1: Um yeah, and it's, it's that,
0: it is very cool, isn't
1: it? Yeah, there's just like a breadth to the the powers in this world where things can come completely sort of out of left field or something I wouldn't have expected, but it doesn't feel cheap at all because as soon as you sort of think about it, you're like, okay, no, like I i do see that in retrospect.
0: Mm. Yeah. 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 It's it's the exact kind of thing of it's a cool trick that makes perfect sense, but you wouldn't have thought about it beforehand, which is like what this universe <laughs> thrives on.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, so our opponents in this debate, the Belongers, arrive, and immediately Verona and Lucy are going on the offensive.
1: It's so good. Like, yeah, Verona good, just immediately launches into, like, everything Marisica and Gilmay were talking about in sort of, you know, being belligerent. And it's hilarious as and, and awesome. Like, finally, she gets to use all the skills her dad has imparted on her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was really impressed with how well they put the Belanger's on the back foot immediately. So they, they go after Alexander with this tack of like, are you going to take responsibility? And he's like, no. And so they're like, all right, then fuck off. (laughs) And it's just like, so effectively boiling this down to a binary of either do something or get the fuck out of the way. And he doesn't really ever have a way to counter that. That's just the, the beat that they drive home and it works. Like they really effectively get Alexander out of the picture through this. It's great.
1: Yeah. And for the most part, they managed to dodge his, uh, his attempts to dodge questions, sidestep yes. stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like, I want to talk a bit about why I think this had to be a Lucy chapter like as we're sort of seeing them do this. Because um, it's, essentially, the, the main advice Mariska and, and Killamay were sort of giving them was playing the sort of intellectual or polite game just won't work because- Alexander has thrived in that system. It's kind of stacked in his favor. He has more resources and knowledge. Like yeah. playing his game just won't work. And yeah, I feel like he
0: set the rules.
1: Yeah. And, and I feel like you know, here in July of 2020 when we're recording this, mm-hmm. it's hard not to sort of tie this back to all of the discussions that have been around like Black Lives Matter um mm. and, and or really anything about any sort of oppressed group trying to stand up for themselves where
0: yeah. systemic oppression in general as well yeah we've talked about that with lucy already but the idea that the system is so stacked against lucy or against the trio if they're dealing with alexander who is you know a representation of the system (laughs) he is the institution right
1: yeah Um, absolutely
0: it's yeah you can't you if you want to dismantle the institution you can't play by the institution's rules and uh they don't and it works quite effectively
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that. Like I, I, I can't not see that sort of connection. Like there's this sense that it's just like if you just try to be polite and and stuff, like he's just kind of gonna get what he wants because that's how it's all designed. Like you need to go outside the rules a bit. Yeah. Um. Um, In fact, that there was there was actually a a lot of great stuff on this. Um. I just wanted to plug. Um. I've got it written down. Like a a, one of our Discord users wrote a post on Reddit. Uh. Tanky forecast, but I'm now realizing i didn't actually check the reddit post so they might have a different reddit username um i'll 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 put a comment in our discussion thread linking to it but it's this great post talking about um so something i i had no idea since i'm i'm australian uh is booker uh lucy's brother is named after a a famous um african-american activist um Mm. and booker like the historical booker t washington had um a lot of interactions with uh another one uh, another person uh W U B du bois or something yeah, uh, yeah w du bois i think yeah i'm sorry i'm not sure how to pronounce this stuff i've only just learned <laughs> about these people um but basically they these two had different opinions on like exactly you know how to to fight oppression um and Basically, Booker, Lucy's brother, uh, his his sort of strategy seemed to line up a lot with the historical um, Booker Washington's ones, and um, then so
0: Booker Booker historical Booker's strategy was to you know represent the best possible version of yourself and and not trust but kind of work towards uh, you know equality uh, and dismantling oppression in a nonviolent and kind of positive way. Whereas Dubois believed in that, but also believed in Aggressively tackling oppression whenever you found it,
1: right? Yeah, and it feels like there are parallels between those two and Lucy and Lucy Hale Booker. Booker. Yeah, um, and and Techie sort of points all this out and and it gives a bit of a history lesson to those of us who who don't have this context. It's a really great post, and and you should go check it out. So um, yeah, yeah, I will link to it in the discussion thread.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah, to to jump back to the interaction with Alexander. I, yeah. I'm, I am. I was very interested by it because you know, before this chapter, I felt like, okay, we're having the showdown with Alexander, right? We have this showdown that's about to happen. But during this chapter, you actually realize this isn't the showdown with Alexander. This is just him, like scoping them out. He he really doesn't even engage. He barely he barely engages to anything that they say. And as soon as they even slightly start to challenge him in a way that he feels like he'll have to actively expend effort to deal with. He kind of just backs down, um, and it's, it's interesting. It's, it, it feels like there's more conflict with Alexander that's going to come up, and the fact that he's just kind of let them, you know, blow their tickets in this one is, is a way that he's negotiating for the second or third time they cross paths.
1: Yeah. Like, there's, there's definitely moments where it feels like they're winning this battle but as soon as you start to take a step back, you just can't help. And, and like even Lucy gets this impression that like Alexander is thinking about the war, so to speak. Like they yeah. they do well here, but it doesn't feel like Alexander is put in a permanently tough position. Like in, and they sort of talk about how in, in the end he kind of gets what he wants, like probably not in as easy or nice a way as he would like it. But at the end of the day, this isn't a complete loss for him, and he's sort of okay with that, and I don't like <laughs> Yeah. That.
0: I mean, if anything, he, he didn't know this going in, but these this trio and Charles and, and Miss had one big card up their sleeve, a card that really could have fucked over Alexander to a large extent, and this interaction has had him take that card off of the table. So he didn't win, but by no means was this a loss for him either, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. Um. I mean, really, really, the loser out of all this is Nicolette. Yes, which, like, I mean, you know, we we were so recently in her head. You can just sort of picture how fucking enraged she must be by everything yes. that just happened here. Yeah, uh, we um, we get glimpses of that through through Lucy. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, because and these these three are about to get like free tuition, which just like from her perspective you know is just sort of salt in the wound
0: it's another silver spoon they've been handed exactly
1: um yeah like i feel bad for her
0: Mm. yeah for sure um he does drop some juicy nuggets that we should talk about because the hungry choir is the thing the topic of discussion basically one of the things he offers is information on the hungry choir and he gives some information and honestly the 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 main information that the main nugget that we get here is the fact that The Hungry Choir didn't just happen, basically. Something more is going on with The Hungry Choir. Either someone created it or is feeding it or is actively protecting it. I I want to read out a quote where um, Alexander talks about how he's been researching it, and he says, I looked, and every time I got close, I had wild spirits on my doorstep, or goblin problems, or pointed fingers jabbing through the metaphorical peepholes, trying to gouge out my eye, which needs more explanation, right? Like, <laughs> what that means is there are others that are protecting the hungry choir. Is this the Kennet others? Is this something else? Is this just kind of karma or it's made deals to protect itself? Whatever it is, though, the fact that that it's not just an isolated thing, that it's got a a team, there's a team hungry choir that exists. Mm. That's, that makes me nervous.
1: Yeah, yeah. And because we'd sort of had discussions have been a bit confused about the exact sort of origins of it yes um and and so basically it does seem like naturally these things change a bit more and grow slower and and the the hungry choirs popped up insanely quickly Um, nine years
0: ago already seemingly at the level of power that it is now which is crazy
1: Right? Yes, and also very similar to how it is now, which sort of makes it more powerful because it's a more entrenched pattern rather than one that has changed and adapted. Yes. Um, yes. And, you know, like we sort of talked about, it continuously grows in power because it's it's sucking up these people and much like the, um, you know, singing shows it's based on turns them into zombies. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, the nature of how it is, like, affiliated with a bunch of ghost towns and also Kennet. It's just kind of Mm. like okay, I'm lumping this right next to "Who Killed the Carmine Beast" as like a big thing. In fact, like I will be very surprised if those two things are unrelated.
0: Yes, I I think um you know we'll talk about pale predictor a little bit later when we dive into some predictions. But I think a prediction category we're about to start seeing a lot more of is what the fuck's going on with the Hungry Choir.
1: Yeah, yeah, like we will open it up as a new category. But like again, I'm going to be shocked if it's like oh, uh, these three made the Hungry Choir, but these other three, they did the Carmine Beast thing. Like, yeah, it's all probably part of the same shebang.
0: Yeah, um, we'll have to see. I don't know, maybe it's, uh, you know, that first is the case of the Hungry Choir and second is, uh, you know, the Kennet Trio in the case of the Carmine Beast. <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, so, yes, uh, Alexander accepts the enrollment of the trio to his school, Means they're they're now attending not Hogwarts, which will be fun. Uh, and with that, he steps back, effectively leaving Nicolette to them.
1: Don't go to this school. They've please. made the
0: deal. They've made the deal already. It's too late, Elliot.
1: No, they said they have intent. Sure. Yes. Um, they can change their minds, and I like. I, like, I just yeah. I mean yeah. Uh, I, we we've we'll, been through this. Like, yeah. they, it's, it, there's no good reason to go. It's really
0: a bad place to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Nicolette puts up a bit of a show, but really is in no position to argue, right? Because it's mm-hmm. Kenneth and the trio versus Nicolette, and Nicolette really doesn't have Alexander to back her up. Like, if, no. in fact, Alexander is more seeking to gain from her misfortune than anything. <laughs> she she really doesn't stand a chance.
1: Yeah, and we could have kind of seen that coming in retrospect like, with the way 2.z ended. Um, mm. This is sort of what he was going for. But yeah, he really just sort of tosses her to the wolves. Um again, like she just must be fuming about the way this all went down. She's kind of been betrayed by Alexander. Um, these three are getting more power, free tuition. they're taking stuff out on her, which as she keeps pointing out, all she did was steal a couple of ghosts, which is not great, obviously, but um <laughs> yeah, like she she did
0: also get Melissa uh yeah, get um Melissa's leg for foot broken.
1: Yeah, but- oh, as she says, there there may have been she may have only, you know, given that a nudge. Like, it may have already yeah. been coming to some extent. But, yeah. E- yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, she's, you know, her, her, her hands aren't clean, Um, but mm. she really gets fucked over with all this. And it's well, just like, because the- <laughs> she, thing- she has to have a relationship with the Kennetiers now. Like they they set up this thing where yes. she's going to bring them ghosts, and there's going to be an ongoing relationship between these three and uh, Nicolette. And I just, at the moment, I can't see... Anyway, for that not to be extremely antagonistic for a long time.
0: Yes, I think there's no way it won't be. There's this moment where Verona reveals that she's erased Nicolette's schedule. And the fact that we saw what this means to Nicolette in 2.0 mm. really, really helped sell this moment. Um, because it's so dirty and I loved it. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. A- a- on the note of um, you know how Verona found a really good use for her pen gift, um, mm. all of the miss gifts are kind of very important for this interaction, right? Like almost like Miss wanted this exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. put, put on your tinfoil hats, people. Um, yeah, no, but you know, so there's the pen. Uh, the school enrollment info is obviously pretty key. Um, I mean, Avery's technically even using her forest ribbon trail gift right now. Um, mm-hmm. Lucy's weapon ring is, is really the only one that doesn't specifically come up in this. She puts it on. uh, Yeah, exactly. She 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 has it.
0: it (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, You're right. Interesting. I I I like it as a bit of a,
1: even if it even if it's not, you know, Oh, like this big sort of, you know, Machiavellian scheme by miss or whatever. I like it as a bit of a send off to her that they're using what she gave them to get a bit of revenge. Yeah,
0: Yeah. definitely. Um, So yeah. Yeah. Nicolette really doesn't have a leg to stand on and she basically has to just do exactly what they say. Um I I think she gets off relatively easy, given how much of an instigator she was in this situation. I mean, she was doing it at Alexander's request, so it sucks that he really gets off scot free, but um yeah. you know, whatever.
1: Well, she basically gets off at the cost of um presumably a short and unpleasant trip to the Forest Ribbon Trail. Yep. And one
0: day for Alexander.
1: Yeah, which is like you know she she gave him four weeks for the ability to visit the forest ribbon trail through the dollhouse. So yeah, relatively not a not a huge cost. Um, but yeah, she she comes out of this feeling like the loser. She's the one who's having to pay for things more than anyone else. Yeah.
0: Um. Yep. But that's what happens when you're the apprentice to a dickhead. You bear, bear the cost. Yep. Um. So yes, Nicolette agrees to take Avery's place as, sh- as soon as she can, and she does. Uh, it takes a few hours, but Avery gets out, and the trio is reunited, and Avery quickly cements her position as everyone's favourite.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, it's it's so nice So there's just a section break, and then you have Snowdrop come in and be like, she's gone! And I was like, oh, thank Christ. Like, <laughs> yep. And it's such a yes. like, Just Snowdrop is just so fun as a device, like... <laughs> Maybe I'm juvenile, but this, this idea of her always saying the exact opposite of what she means is just fun.
0: <laughs> it is fun, isn't it? Good. Um, so, yes, we've reached the end of the Forest Ribbon Trail saga, right? Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, the first thing I think to touch on is it really does seem like Miss is gone from this story now, right? Like we get a bit of a send-off to Miss with Avery saying, yeah, I, I had some last interactions with Miss before Nicolette swapped me out. And, yeah she's gone it's sad and we'll see it's almost certainly going to shake up the dynamic of kennet in a way that is not good
1: yes miss was the sort of leader and and stabilizer of this place and uh she was a very smart cookie so um it's bad that she's gone i, I will be interested she she definitely seemed under the impression that she you know might be able to get out at some point but you know with someone like miss she might be thinking mm. oh 500 years from now i'll go out it's fine um, mm. it would be interesting to see her again, um, from the perspective of a- as a lost, you know, when she sort of takes form when a finder comes, she she gets a lot of her form from that finder and I, like we right. don't really understand like does what does she lose when she is like you know, between people summoning her or whatever. So it's, it's like if there was a miss that came back in a couple of months, what how much would she resemble like the person we just lost
0: Mm, true i mean she might not even be female anymore maybe that was she was found by a female finder exactly like there's
1: definitely there would be uh, yeah like we we have no idea how big the changes would be what she may or may not remember um i think it'd be fascinating to sort of see like i yeah i mean because there would be a lot to read into about sort of what what the story wants to do with her when that when that's happening? Mm. Like, if if we're sort of sticking with our whole like mystery novel justice metaphor type stuff, she's almost like I don't know, like a fugitive or an unregistered mm. person or something. Mm. So that, you know, it could tie into all that stuff. So I I don't know. I'm sort of really just coming up with this. I, I I don't know how it could work, but you know, there'd be something to draw from there that could be really cool.
0: Yeah, I I think we might get more of her at the conclusion of this narrative when we have the you know the parlor room scene where lucy's pointing out who did what in the murder of the carmine (laughs) miss might come back for that i can kind of see that happening but i I don't see her coming back until then
1: or an epilogue it could be fun if the last epilogue chapter is miss like 500 years in the future she comes back
0: (laughs) yeah i i'm a little surprised that the trio doesn't see retrieving miss as something within their wheelhouse
1: (laughs) I would have liked to think that would be high up on Avery's priority list as a finder. Yeah. Like like trying to find another path that like one of the rewards. I assume she can't go back to the Forest Ribbon Trail. I assume she probably doesn't want to. Um, Well,
0: and if you don't, if you get out in a way that
1: isn't. uh,
0: Wait, no. So I guess the way she got out was basically by swapping out her boon companion in air quotes. It's just that Nicolette took that place.
1: I mean. Is it like I have no fucking clue anymore? Like, it's, it's such a mess. I, I, like, there's probably a dozen yeah. interpretations that you could make.
0: She didn't get out with the detour, at least. And the detour was the one that said you can't come back if you take the detour. right. So theoretically, she could go back. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> the one person who did know was Miss. And so exactly. they can't really ask her anymore, can they?
1: Um, but like, I, I guess the point is, just like I think one of the Forest Ribbon things is like you get to take a lost other out with you maybe if they can find another path where there's like a boon like that, you go in and you try and get miss out. Like, you know, I don't know if it has to be one of the ones that's in there with you or whatever, but um, yeah, yeah I, I agree. Like, I think that that is something they could do. Maybe that would be like an epilogue chapter is them saving miss. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think the other thing here is, so I, when Avery comes back, she's got this little rope that lets her, um, you know, do like cool teleporting stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, DDev on our Discord pointed out something that a couple of people had noticed, which was the rope was one of the things you could take if you did the detour. Um, Yes. this is presumably the rope Miss took when she escaped the Forest Ribbon Trail. Yeah. uh, Which is, you know, just nice and sad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) I wonder Um, if the
1: ring and the feather are also things Miss picked up in in the trap
0: detour things. They could be.
1: Because she said she went I mean, through a bunch of different paths. Maybe she yeah. nicked them from the guy who bound her.
0: Hmm. Mm, maybe. Maybe. Maybe we'll find out. Um, so the other thing that is worth noting as we reach the end of three point two is while Avery was away, this was the real t- first, the first real time that we saw the trio properly split up and acting without all three of them. And you know we were discussing whether they'd be in danger or whether this would go badly, but they really did fine. They did well, right? Um. And I'm, I'm kind of trying to reconcile that. And I think what it means is the fact that the fact that they were trying to get Avery back, I mean, like we know that the fact they're wakened together means that there's this kind of pull that ties them together. So potentially the fact that they were trying to get Avery back actually gave them some kind of like karmic advantage in those situations, because that's what they were. They were, they were kind of operating in the will of the universe, trying to keep them connected, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's interesting because we've talked a lot about how the best tactic for fighting them is splitting them up. But if they've, like, we've kind of seen how effective they are at undoing that, so it's it's a good sign back
0: together. Yeah.
1: Um, I I think the last thing I want to touch on before we we move on to the next chapter is basically so the the three meet up and they meet Avery and they have a quick chat and they're like, oh, what do you want to do? And Avery's like, I think I just want to be alone. And that's sort of mm. jumped out to me because that is. Not that's the Avery. That's what
0: Avery wants, usually, yeah.
1: Yeah, t- two weeks ago, uh, Avery, because that's how long this story's taken. Um, <laughs> like, that would not have been her, I don't think. Um, so there's a real sense of growth, and she talks about how yeah. she puts the memories of being someone who toughed this out. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I don't know I, i'm choosing to read this as a good sign like you know so much relationship advice type stuff is always you know um you need to be okay like with yourself before you make mm. a good partner for someone and yeah. i sort of see that being avery now like she's not someone who needs to have someone around her she's kind of oh, i need to go process process this by myself and that's usually the sort of thing that is the first step to being you know someone who should be in a healthy relationship so i, I yeah i might you know this was obviously a traumatic experience but we're about to dive into her head, and I've sort of come out of it thinking, okay, like, you know, this could have gone worse. Yeah,
0: I guess that's a, a good metric. Yeah, it does feel like there's been some growth for her, for sure, um, which is nice. Uh, so that's the end of 3.2. Next, we jump into Out on a Limb 3.3. We're in Avery's head, and she's back, and she's probably fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love the way this chapter starts with Kerry's cackle ran through the house, which is. Right back into Avery's head, right back into the level of anxiety and chaos that exists in the Kelly household. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Carrie cackling in the house, Forest Ribbon Trail, about equal in terms of stress, I think.
1: (laughs) I think it's like a very, like the the use of the word cackle there. Yes. uh, You're right. It instantly sort of puts you in like a bit of anxiety. And particularly, you know, Avery the day after you know, spending a day trapped in the forest ribbon trail like that is yep. just the mindset she's in. And again, it's that opening line that strongly puts you where you need to be.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, really gets you right back in. Um, I love the idea of countermeasures. It's very fun. <laughs> These parents kind of sanction warfare on their own children if they're not up in time for school, which is great.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's an interesting strategy, isn't it? It's um, like, you know, we, we talk a lot about like justice and stuff in this story is mm-hmm. this weird example of like letting citizens police each other um yeah it, it, it kind of a
0: bit stanford prison experiment doesn't it
1: yeah yeah like you can kind of see how for two busy parents they kind of need to contract out justice like this because there's so much going on they can't they, they don't have time
0: they don't exactly and as as avery comes down says, we see that they're already like chaotically struggling to plan out all the things that they need to do for the day while managing this morning rush. And it doesn't seem like that's an out-of-the-ordinary out of the, av- out of the ordinary situation for
1: them. No, this, this seems like a fairly regular morning, except for the fact yes. that Avery's not awake. Um, but, yeah, so it's kind of like, I, I can sort of see why this is what has happened because I, I don't know what else they're really meant to do, but it also doesn't feel like a great solution because there's no way this sort of behaviour isn't, like, exacerbating sort of rifts between the siblings.
0: mm Mm, yeah. Um. Yeah. So throughout this chapter, we really do get a thread of Avery being pretty, pretty disconnected here, right? Like, obviously, this is understandable, but it also does seem a little dangerous. She exhibits some pretty casual power usage with uh, using her jump rope outside the bathroom to just kind of skip in. Um. I don't know, not a problem, but just you know, something to keep an eye
1: on. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm sort of, again, like, you know, to use Lucy's terminology, I'm willing to give her a bit of a pass here because she just went through the Forest Reuben Trail. She's, like, spiritually drained. I can't tell how much of that is the trauma and how much of it is, like, the magic yep. or, you know, yep. it's both. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we, you know, there was that sense of, like, the Forest Reuben Trail, you get out of it and you're just kind of half dead, for a couple of days and you you really feel that now like she's just so spiritually exhausted and i think that's part of why she's just like she's just using this thing because she just needs to get into that bathroom and deal with her shit and she's not going to stand there and wait for Declan to go
0: yep she's just gonna you know muscle on in which is great um it i was worried for a moment that it felt like avery was going to get kind of lost again in the chaos of the house if you'll pardon the word i guess um but on reading through the chapter a little more closely, it, it I don't think that so, that's the case. It We have these little interactions like where uh, Avery doesn't eat a sausage. She just grabs a muffin instead because she's having some weird relationships with meat, which is fair given all that's happened in this story with yep. the hungry choir and the wolf. Um, but after hap- this happens, without anyone really bringing attention to it, Sheridan notices and Rowan notices, and they kind of have a little bit of no, they don't even pick on her. It's just kind of like little banter, right? Um, very, very like neutral to positive level of sibling interactions, which is nice. It, it seems like, um, I don't know if it, I would go this far to say that they fully like notice that she's not doing well and are keeping an eye on her, but they are keeping an eye on her at least somewhat, um,
1: which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sheridan's supportive in the same way Snowdrop's words are supportive. <laughs> yeah. Um. Like, yeah, she, you're right. Sheridan notices, which is something, and, and she sort of calls it out. Um, so, you know, maybe deep down she cares. Although there's the bit later where she's, like, overreact much, where it's like, oh, real helpful, Sheridan. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, even that bit up with Declan where she just kind of pushes in, that doesn't feel like something slipping under the radar Avery would have done. Um yep. I had the same reaction as you the first time i read this chapter i started to become worried she was in this tired state gonna slip through the cracks but yeah. the more i read it the more i was actually like oh no i think she's actually like kind of having the opposite happen right here um yeah. there's a bit of a sense of like oh she's almost getting too noticed she doesn't want <laughs> well, that right now
0: yes exactly yeah it's a weird reversal isn't it um first the Yeah, well, I guess just in general, the kind of wanting to be alone is not Mm. a thing that we've seen that much of. Every, I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, There's also like in this whole kitchen scene. There's this bit where the parents are sort of, as you already touched on, like negotiating how they're going to get through all the shit they have to get done today. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, so Rowan gets involved because Rowan's like, "Oh, I want to borrow the car." Um, And they're like, "Yeah, I mean, you can if you do X, Y, and Z." Um, And there's this, you know, real eighteen-year-old. Sort of comment where he's like, I thought getting the car was meant to mean I have more freedom, but I got to do all this shit. I've only got like half the time to meet. And it was just like, Welcome to adulting. Yeah, um, welcome to the real world, man. The, the more freedom you have, the less you have. um it, But it, like, again, it, it's contributing to this idea of like how overworked the Kellys are. Like, they're sort of, you know, contracting out th- this stuff to their 18 year old son, which is actually like a very normal and, in my opinion, much more reasonable way to go about outsourcing yeah. this sort of stuff. Yep. As opposed uh, to letting Kelly drench. as opposed to warfare
0: yeah Uh, (laughs) sorry what they call it countermeasures yeah um yeah so avery kind of tiptoes her way through breakfast before heading off to chat to drop and pop
1: so it's funny when i first read that in the notes i thought drop and pop was some sort of dark joke you're making about grumble
0: what would that even
1: mean i don't know like pop pops a thing for like punching someone out your
0: grandfather oh Sure, or that.
1: Uh, yeah, and that. So, yeah, I I was like, wow, this is like a weird dark joke. And then, like, I got further through the so It's just like, oh, you means Snowdrop, no, oh, Snowdrop and Cherry Pop?
0: Snowdrop and Cherry Pop. Drop and Pop, the dream team.
1: Oh, yeah, this probably says more about me than it does about your joke. But, yeah, just in case anyone yeah. else is as stupid as I am. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, actually, well, speaking of Grumble, there is this moment in this chapter that we should touch on where... Every basically has a bit of a of of a triggered moment, right? She has this kind of flashback. Well, no, I don't. It's not quite a flashback. She, but she's definitely triggered in, in the PTSD yeah. sense by by what? By just having a a momentary flashback and grumble, kind of raising his his hand.
1: She, I mean, she draws illusions like, uh, or, or, no, like she she there's a similarity. like you know, there's a, a yeah. raised, wrinkled hand like that. That was sort of the form the wolf had taken. Yes, um, it, it's very like a loud, rough, old person words being said. Um, like it just, it just takes her back there, basically.
0: Yeah, um, which is bad. I mean, I hope Avery's relationship with Grumble has been a kind of a, a point of pride for her, and so I hope this isn't impacted or. Impacted too harshly, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll um, we'll see. I mean, she definitely she comments on it later how that was it put a bit of a dent in it. Um, we'll see yeah. how permanent that is. But yeah. yeah, this is um, the moment I thought you were referencing with drop
0: and, with and drop pop. and pop. Yeah, great. <laughs> in later news, um, yeah, I. I think we were all pretty excited to see how drop and pop would interact together, and it yeah. is really great to see um, Cherry Pop just doesn't understand Snowdrop's <laughs> lying, and it just makes every moment so great with their interactions.
1: Yeah, they're they're f- f- fucking fantastic together. It's so good. Um, I love like so Ch- Cherry Pop leaves the scene to go and steal some flavored milk because she thinks that's going to torture Snowdrop, um, <laughs> and all Snowdrop's sarcastic responses are hilarious. Uh, I almost want to read an interlude that is just cherry pop, like this tiny goblin's epic journey to steal some milk from a convenience store, because it, it's probably super hard for her. Like, it feels like something that would be out of like Toy Story, like because cause she's like <laughs> yeah. you know like what well, she's like four inches tall, right? So she's yep. got to fucking Toy Story her way into the convenience store to get milk. Like, I I'd, I'd read <laughs> or watch the shit out of that.
0: Yeah, it does sound good, doesn't it?
1: Um. I also, I mean, to, to go back to sort of Snowdrop, like she's so good for Avery. Like, like mm. Avery sort of directly comments on how much she kind of gets rejuvenated by helping Snowdrop. And it's like she was barely able to get out of bed and eat breakfast. And after like a two-minute chat with Snowdrop, she's able to cycle them both to school.
0: Yeah, like, you're right. It is, it is a good marker for the fact that she is kind of rejuvenated by helping and being around other people.
1: Yeah, and Snowdrop is just so wholesome in her own uniquely unwholesome uh, uh, face value way.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I I I guess it's that kind of thing that Avery had on the on the Forest Ribbon Trail, where she had this moment of like not second guessing herself, and then Snowdrop's you know Snowdrop's thing of being supportive through you know second guessing you or supportive through (laughs) putting you down. I guess kind of plays into that where it seems like Avery isn't, you know, when, when Snowbrook Drop says, for example, that Avery is being a baby when she first comes back from the Forest Ribbon Trail, there's not a moment of, wait, is she, is she right? Am I? It's very much, no, like I want to, I wish I could, but I know what you're telling me is actually that I'm being strong. It's, yeah. it's very, it's interesting in how well she's able to take it as reinforcement.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it's a testament to how strong the bond kind of is between these two already. Avery's much better at understanding Snowdrop than I am. I It still takes me a minute, half the time. Um, yeah, yeah. I
0: always have the instinctive, you what? Oh, oh no, wait, you're Snowdrop. Yep, yeah, cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's such a good way. Like, just as a device, I think it's so useful to, like, like, in this world where all the practitioners and the others have to tell the truth, Um, I stop questioning what people are saying um and i think it's like a fun way to kind of break us a bit out of that it's probably also fun Mm. for Wildbo to get to (laughs) write the opposite of it but um yeah yeah Yeah.
0: um cool so uh avery meets up with the rest of the trio uh and they head to school before uh after they send snowdrop to kind of spy on the kennet others and see what they're up to
1: yeah and so my question here is what do like muggles see when like where snowdrop is like like what what do the other kids see when the three can tears are kind of interacting with snowdrop here do they see her in baby possum form do they see a little girl in ragged clothes with missing teeth do they see nothing like what Good i'm very question. confused about this
0: yes i don't know we haven't seen snowdrop interact with any muggles yet so for all we know they could just not see her at all um but we'll see i guess um hmm. When they're at school, we have this moment where Avery, I'm just going to call it, washes her face with glamour, um, which is understandable, obviously. But again, it's another casual magic use that is hopefully not becoming a pattern. I, someone, I think there was a comment in the, the Reddit discussion on this chapter that I really liked, which was kind of likening this to like going to the bathroom and smoking a cigarette or something like that <laughs> that you would see in a in a you know American high school movie with the bad kids starting – or the kids starting to fall with the bad crowd and, you know, she goes to the bathroom to to smoke right. a cigarette or whatever during class.
1: I mean, the little um, connection I made is it was like, you know how like, – like part of the reason you, you dress yourself up and you, you would do something like put on makeup is to portray like a, a, a better and more confident version of yourself. Yeah. And this is – like Avery's literally doing that. She's putting on magical makeup it's, that literally makes her more confident
0: yeah yeah i i just again i hope she doesn't get too reliant on it
1: i guess well i mean that's you could see how that would become addictive very quickly like if it wears off and she suddenly plagued with indecision again she'd be running to gillamay and being like hit me up with some of that confidence glamour please yeah Um, yeah so yeah like again willing to give her a pass for this one you know right after a traumatic event
0: yeah uh
1: but like you know keeping an eye on this becoming a pattern
0: yeah um so uh, there's this interesting transition where they're kind of as they as they uh finish up this scene with the three of them at school they're talking to Avery about what she wants to do and she says I want to get moving run and then there's a dash a section break and the next and then the next section starts with she moved running and it's this very abrupt and and obviously quite fun transition but the abruptness of it really like again you know we're in avery's head she's on edge she's feeling less safe and these abrupt transitions are a great way to just kind of not let us get too comfortable while we're reading
1: yeah yeah it uh it keeps you on edge doesn't it uh yeah
0: not for any there's you know there's nothing bad that's about to happen or anything but just to just to not let you get too relaxed not let you get too out of avery's kind of state
1: yeah and 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 this also ties into the end of the chapter. Like I suppose we'll talk about it more but there, but like her, her whole sort of way of thinking in regards to why she wants to keep moving, why she wants, because this decision she makes right here in this section break is she wants to dive further into the practice rather than take a break yeah. from it. Like Lucy suggests, she basically has Lucy and Verona as like a devil and angel on her shoulder. Like do you want to do more <laughs> practice or less practice? Um, yeah. And she chooses more and I guess we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that she makes this decision right after putting on that glamour yeah, is just sort of, again, just a little bit like, okay, yeah. like, I'm going to let it slide this time, but I'm a little concerned. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. So the trio heads to Matthew and Edith's place to spy on a kind of secret gathering of Kennet others that has been taking place.
1: Yeah. And so before we get to that whole mess, like, can we talk about how they get there? Because it's fucking... It's like a scene straight out of the Avengers or something where yeah. Avery's fucking zip zapping around town using her cool yeah. rope powers, meanwhile, you know, the rest of the team is flying around in bird form. Um, yeah, Verona it's awesome. and Lucy are
0: full-on animorphing thing now. Like Verona goes <laughs> from cat to uh sorry, from bird to cat, just kind of flipping around in 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 sh- in different animal forms. Like they're in they're in the zone.
1: <laughs> yes. Um and I, I mean the Verona bit again concerns me with regards to how on par with the face she is like she just you know she's had she's had this glamour for a couple of days and she's seamlessly transitioning from bird to cat um she's concerningly good with this stuff it has me worried um yeah but yeah like this is one of those moments where now i'm just constantly coming back to say i'm like no wonder nicolette's pissed like these three are you know a week and a half in, and they've already got these abilities to fucking dash around and turn into birds and stuff. Um, it's insane.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Snowdrop gives us a rundown of what happened here, and it's hard to understand. It's really hard to keep track of, <laughs> but we people on Reddit posted Snowdrop translations, and Wabo himself kind of realised, I think, that it was a bit difficult because he also posted a Snowdrop translation in the bonus materials. Basically, it looks like the Kennet Others were doing a bit of planning and discussing, mostly around Matthew and Edith. Um, Riska and Charles were here too. And they've uh, picked a new leader, which we find out is kind of Matthew and Edith together being the de facto leaders of the Kennet
1: Others. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think to to go back to what you said, uh, like towards the side of that, I think that's what's really fun about this extra material is while Bo can leave uh, like a challenge like that, like I agree. I sort of read Snowdrop stuff and I was like, okay, my brain just melted. Um, Hopefully somebody else has done this. And I think what's fun is now Walbo doesn't have to rely on just expositing it to us later in dialogue or relying on you having to know to search the Reddit threads. He can just chuck it in the extra material as a kind of, okay, like I got to include this and it was fun, but I am going to give you the answer like a bit later. So it rewards people who want to do it, but also, you know, eventually then the rest of us get to catch up.
0: Yeah. It lets people catch up in a way that's comfortable with their level of comprehension, which is quite nice.
1: Yeah, because otherwise, like, it, without the extra material, the like, the only other way to actually give us that info would have been to have the three kind of have this clunky conversation where you have to be like, yes, so we decoded Snowdrop stuff and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's so much easier to just be like, these are Avery's notes on it.
0: Yeah. Read it if you want, skim it if you want. You, don't, you know, you don't have to. Yeah. It's just kind of there. Uh-huh. Um,
1: y- oh. Yes. oh, sorry. So
0: then this chapter ends basically with Avery Uh, considering whether she would like to continue down the path of becoming a finder.
1: Yeah. It's a really nice conclusion to this sort of arc that Avery has gone through. Like, like, you know, there's sort of this, this conclusion to this little arc in this chapter and it sort of goes all the way through. Um, And she sort of summarizes it here at the end is like, the world is scary. I can't like hide from that. I can't fly under the radar at this point. Um, you know, she's kind of, she's tried that before, uh, what she needs to do is kind of keep trying to move forward and, you know, find the diamonds in the rough.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, the sentiment that this chapter ends on is, uh, every thinks every uh, could see herself continuing to look for the snowdrops that sprung up in the scary place, which is just a beautiful sentiment. Like it's a scary world. The paths are scary, but there are, there are snowdrops out there to be found. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah you're right like it is it is just such a nice sentiment and it's why it's funny because i think so many times usually when a chapter ends with yes we're going to do another practice um like i'm always like oh god no no oh god uh this is the first one where i'm sort of like okay this feels like a healthy like version of it to me i mean it's obviously not great like the paths aren't like you know playgrounds but i couldn't help but be like okay like i can i can see this (laughs)
0: yeah yeah
1: um
0: that's the end of 3.2 oh Oh, 3.3 sorry (laughs) 3.3 just keeping you on your toes earlier um so yes then we get to our extra material timelines which starts with avery and her doodles guiding us through (laughs) what has happened this month and what's happening later in the month
1: i mean I think this is the perfect time for this because I think I was just reaching the point where I was like, I'm going to have to go back and read arc one because I don't remember exactly how long ago things were. Mm. Um, mm. So just having the ability to just have the author be like, here's a quick here's a calendar guide.
0: of what has happened. Yeah, <laughs>
1: um, it's, it's so great rather than having to rely on the community or, or yourself to do it um Mm. and again like i think the thing that always shines through in these extra material stuff are like little details like there's the doodles but there's also um because it's avery the only project due dates that are listed are (laughs) the miss hardy ones
0: (laughs) miss hardy's project yeah you
1: just like you just know it's avery because she's like i don't give a fuck about my other classes gotta make sure i impress miss miss hardy though
0: yeah god it was good um i love the doodles there's these little spirit doodles for the procession of spirits that came to the the, to the meeting, and one of them is literally just a penis. <laughs> like, Avery's just literally kind of let her mind run away with random doodles of miscellaneous things. they're yeah, so I, good. I love them all.
1: These doodles are fantastic. I love the snowdrop one so much. Yeah. Um, I'm. I think. I, I think I'm going to make it my Discord avica- avatar. Mm. Um, there's also <laughs> there's the little one. Um, uh, where we get to like the sort of four people who start this this sort of meeting, and yeah. there's like. A it's mat the doom, and doom doom yeah and, <laughs> yeah and Edith is a little candle woman holding his yeah. hand like it's adorable oh so good like Walbo's yeah. defines such an like an adorable little style here it's fantastic yeah
0: um we get these little tidbits of what's coming up as well there's an interesting one which is um I think it's something like Verona has some mum stuff to deal with at the end of the month or something which who knows what that means
1: yeah like I think I think what's great about this calendar is it doesn't just sort of tell us the the 12 days that we've gone through. Um or, or, and like remind us on that, which is helpful. It kind of gives you this sense of what we need to be looking forward towards. Um and like on what scale. Like there's like the rest of this month and there's, you know, all the Hungry Choir dates are listed and where they're happening. And I think like the really important thing about that is what I noticed having this all laid out in front of us like this is all the biggest events and nights have centered around Hungry Choir uh, ritual nights
0: well uh, maybe that's intentional right if we've we've touched on the idea that somebody has created the hungry yeah. choir the nights that the hungry choir has been active are potentially intentionally distractions from other things that are happening
1: oh yeah i definitely thought the same thing i was like you know it's hard to know how much could be cause and effect or whatever but i was sort of like okay so they awoke on a hungry choir night and then the next one was like one dot z the one after that was the end of arc two it's sort of like each arc has ended on this big moment that has been tangentially related at least to the Hungry Choir. Um, Mm. So having them all marked out like that, I sort of start to be like, okay, so these are maybe when we should start to expect big events to to be happening for whatever reason. Um, And then as you mentioned, there's stuff like oh, in June, we'll have like other projects and we've got to go to our uh, fancy magical summer school that please don't go to. Um, Yeah, like I, I think it's fun to sort of, also us for how far th- how far forward we need to be thinking,
0: yeah, definitely um in this note in these notes, we also get a bit of a snowdrop translation of what happened at the meeting, which you've already mostly covered. I don't think there's anything else in here that is new information or crazy information
1: i I mean I, I think the bit that started to jump out to me is like the meeting started with this foursome, and I mean it's it's directly brought up like as a question, like why these four why these who's four? Charles. Yeah marissa Carr, uh matthew and edith so there's there's really like the story seems to be pointing us in a bit of a keep your eye on these four uh yeah, direction
0: marissa is the odd one out in that group right
1: like yeah the other three are the sort of human adjacent others um and marissa is kind of explicitly the opposite she's trying her hardest not to be human
0: yeah it's strange um But then the end of this bonus material has Avery laying out the timeline of the story as we know it so far, which is a great little bit just to kind of sum up all the outstanding loose ends, right? So for example, I'd completely forgotten that Guillaume mentioned having his own secret scheme that was unrelated to the Carmine Beast, but, you know, he's just off meeting with someone that we don't know. Like, I don't know what that means, but I'd forgotten it. And Wild Bo's just kind of saying, hey, this might be important, so don't forget it.
1: I, I mostly read this as proof that I was right, that the flashback scene ten to 10 years ago or whatever is hugely important when John killed the the black dog and, and who was around him. Mm. Like, I think there's still mystery to me surrounding the nature of Kennet, like how it came to be this haven for others, how exactly that haven works. Like, where, where, you know, there was seemingly some sort of agreement to transfer leadership. To Matthew and Eve, like how de facto is that? What are the rules and the contracts surrounding this commune? And I, I'm beginning to suspect that, like the fact that we haven't got answers on that at this point, I'm like, okay, does it tie into, you know, the Hungry Choir and or the Carmine Beast mystery? Like it, you know, and, and our snippets of the past when that stuff was forming, I think is going to be crucial for us understanding it. Yeah, definitely. But
0: um, well, we don't have those answers yet, Elliot. Maybe next time. Um, So that's the end of the the chapters that we're discussing today. But don't go away yet, because we've got a bunch more content to to get through. First of all, I guess we'll dive into Pale Predictor. Some Pale Predictor predictions, shall we?
1: Yes. uh, So what have you brought this week?
0: I brought a prediction from a user called Chromester, uh, who said that uh, Gilame talked to, in this secret meeting, the person who created the Hungry Choir the night that the Carmine Beast died. So yeah, we kind of touched on this already, but... We're definitely kind of focusing in this now on where The Hungry Choir came from and what's going on. So I'm excited to, to dive into more theories. And I like this one. The idea of this secret person that Gilamay spoke to being, the, uh, being tied to who created The Hungry Choir. I like it. Tie all these loose threads together.
1: So I, I've just had a thought now. So that, Ooh,
0: live theory.
1: <laughs> yeah. So sorry for how malformed this might be. Okay. So it was 10-ish years ago that John killed the black dog. Yep,
0: and nine years ago, that yeah. the Hungry Choir was created. So there is some overlap there. Well,
1: because something, something that came up right with John is that you can't really kill him because he's powered by the war that he was a part of. Like it's very
0: difficult. Ooh, I see. What if?
1: Yeah. What if the Hungry Choir is? I, I, I forgotten her name, but like, what it's if like that like was Illinois. a whole thing? What if? What if they weren't? killing her but they were transferring or transforming her i don't know what if a hungry choir is her to some degree and maybe that's why it's mostly children or i don't know
0: well uh, interesting interesting yeah okay i can see that what about i mean the other thing we don't necessarily know that much about is where the carmine beast came from,
1: right yeah i got the impression it's been in power for hundreds of years to the point where that may not be relevant but i don't know why i assumed that It could have only been in power for 10 to 20 years. I wouldn't know.
0: Yeah. Just the fact that we're questioning the origins of some of these others is making me, you know, start to question the Carmine Beasts one more. Like, because we know where Matthew and Edith came from. We know where Miss came from. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Anyway.
0: Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) what prediction did you pull out for us to talk about?
1: Um, So I pulled out one from, oh God, I didn't try to figure out how to pronounce this username before uh may Meij- he sorry um who you know again is is also on the who created the hungry choir thing i think we're just going to have to make this a new category um I, I need to go clean up pale predictor a bit in fact because i haven't even closed the what is miss category which just doesn't need to be there anymore um so i think i'll replace it with the who created the hungry choir uh category mm. Comment mm-hmm. in the Reddit thread if you have any other categories you think the Power Predictor needs. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, so uh, Meiji Ji uh has basically suggested that they think the choir was created by the Kennet others collectively using knowledge that they got from Charles because Charles was, you know, forsworn about a decade ago and mm. um, the others, like well, Charles specialized in creating others. So mm. they are like, maybe this was part of the deal. Like Charles helped them create the hungry choir and they tap power from it or something Um, might be related to Matthew's doom is something that's brought up. But um, yeah, you know, basically tying into the whole idea that the hungry choir might actually be a tool of this commune. And, you know, I guess in theory, then part of the power source of the Kenneteers.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. I Um, love these who created the hungry choir uh, theories. (laughs)
1: Yes. Uh the other thing uh Meiji Hao tied it to is the death of the Carmine Beast, suggesting that maybe if the Carmine Beast found out about Hungry Choir being created deliberately by Kennet, um, she might have been obligated to try and do something about it and they managed mm. it had grown so powerful that they were able to kill her or wait, it could have been the Hungry Choir acting in self-defense even.
0: Yeah, I could see it. I'm I don't this is the thing with the Hungry Choir, right? Is the question that comes up is who benefits from it? And I don't think anyone does right now. <laughs> like,
1: well, I think that's what yeah. I like about this this theory here is that there's an idea that the Kenneth others are getting power from it and protection, presumably, mm. uh, if it is a tool of theirs.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I can see it.
1: So just add on. Just add on my fresh new layer of unthought out theory that um, it was created from uh john's black dog black dog yeah uh, and i think we've cracked the case
0: there we go Solved the mystery um all right so if you want to leave your uh, own predictions about where the hungry choir came from you can check out the pale predictor uh sheet in the links in the show notes
1: uh yes and uh we also have been running a discussion question so Mm -hmm. let's uh let's talk about that one
0: yeah so the question was now that we've seen some other practitioners do you think the Kenneteers got a good or bad deal in how they've awoken? Um,
1: Basically, everyone said yes. Everyone said good. Yes, everyone <laughs> said a great deal. And
0: uh, like, I think the timelines really helped solidify this. So, for example, Hero of Old Iron in the thread touched on the fact that our trio have been awakened for one point five weeks, and you know, compared to Nicolette, who's you know a few months maybe in or six months, I don't know. And also has been like actively tutored by a school. It's like they completely steamrolled, her, right? Like they mm-hmm. they're completely on a whole other level, on a level that was baffling to her. And she was obviously no slouch. So they they've got a good deal. Is is the the gist?
1: Yeah. Um. I I mean I think Hero of Old Iron also brought up was sort of this without tuition, which isn't maybe technically true because they they are getting tuition from the well, others. Yeah. True. um, but like it's 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 less structured for sure, and you know like their 1.5 weeks of lessons have in many ways caught up with Nicolette's months slash year uh, yeah. of of lessons. So yeah, a- absolutely. Um, Lendis 963 sort of directly compared it to you know things we've seen in like Mile End, um, which was a, a packed dice game that Wildbo himself ran, um, which we will be talking about more soon. Um, but sort of comparing it to, to stuff like that and saying, yeah, these three seem to have gotten a good deal so far.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Captain Rhino also in the thread touched on, yes, they've been given a leg up and, and kind of raised the question of, you know, are they leveraging this initial advantage that they've got? I, I, I was kind of worried... Uh, stumped by this one at first like th- they've clearly been given a leg up but it's not going to last forever right they're in the favor with the Ken and others for now but that's eventually going to pass you would think and so they need to kind of be gaining as many tools as they can now and-, and gaining as much uh you know permanent position as much as they can which they're kind of doing they've got some rituals they've got some connections they're doing okay i think
1: yeah, I think the thing that really jumped out to me with this answer, and we did already sort of touch on this, um, like, I think the, the big thing Captain Rhino brings up that I think is is the best benefit that Kennetys seem to be getting so far is this breadth of uh, talent and knowledge they have access to. Um, like, if you look at someone like Nicolette, yeah. I think she was well-suited to be an auger, and it's why she was chosen, but... She was brought in by August and sort of had to become an auger, and she goes to a school run by and seemingly mostly for augers. Um, The Kenneteers have, you know, gotten to experiment with all sorts of shit. Avery's kind of immediately latched on to finding, but, like, we still don't know what Verona and Lucy might want to do. Yeah, they um, could do anything. And, and that doesn't seem like something a lot of other people get. Like, if if the main way... People are brought into this world is through families, and those families specialize. Presumably, people are basically raised to be a certain kind of practitioner. Like, yeah, a a, a Bell and J doesn't probably get to choose another career. They're they're brought up to be an auger. They're they're sort of trained from it from birth. Yeah, Um, interesting. So there's a real freedom um, to what these three have that a lot of other people don't get, and that they're getting choice. We saw that
0: with Matthew as well, right, where he he took after his father in terms of what practitioner he was, but he wasn't really digging the whole heartless vibe, right? Like he, we kind of got the sense that he didn't really want to be that kind of practitioner.
1: Yeah, and he quickly sort of gave it up, right? Like he, And yeah. then he became um, whatever it was that he was to be with Edith.
0: Yeah, infested by whatever.
1: Yeah, there was a term um, for it. <laughs> a forgotten. host, I think it is
0: um yeah interesting interesting um good good answers to the discussion question so thanks everyone who left in it um no discussion question this week check back next week and we'll have another one for you take a take a break this week go and read uh, sorry go and listen to our bonus episode two hours of more discussion on arc two stolen away with a very special guest so go check that out
1: yes uh we were joined by jade from octopus literary uh podcast which is a lot of fun um yeah it was great She's actually, I think, just released some of her own pale content, which I need to go and watch. Um, Her packed read-through is also great if you haven't seen it.
0: Yeah. Um, But that's the end of our show for now. So thank you for joining us. Uh, If you'd like to discuss these chapters or this episode in general, you can do so by going to the discussion thread, where you'll also find Elliot's link to that comment that he mentioned by Tanky Forecast Yes, that he definitely won't forget to post, Elliot.
1: Yep. Um, We'll try not to. It it will probably be a couple of hours after the episode comes out, fair warning, uh, because I will be asleep by the time Ruben gets it out there, (laughs) I imagine. Um, But uh, the other thing to do in there is maybe drop any suggestions for categories you'd like to see in Pale Predictor because I will spend tomorrow morning cleaning that up a bit as well
0: um if you would like to check out more of our stuff uh why not follow us on twitter at MediaMD podcast which <laughs> is now. our twitter account yes <laughs> um go follow us and you can see when we do live read or when elliot does live reads or other miscellaneous things that are going on
1: yes uh and, and so you can find um you know a bunch of other stuff on the doof media network uh over at doofmedia.com there's other shows uh media md was such a show but we've actually just finished it so uh yep. if you you know maybe this is the time that you decide you want to go take a look at what yeah, it was now that about. it's
0: finally finished now that all the plot points have been resolved <laughs> you can go back through and listen to the entire show from start to finish so go do that
1: yeah i out. mean look we finished it because we've talked about everything worth talking about so now you mm-hmm. can go there and see all the things that are good
0: yep if we didn't talk about it we by default assume that we both hate it mm-hmm. <laughs> um if you want to check out other Doof content that isn't uh, by the two of us, I don't know why you would, but you can if you want, uh, you can go to doofmedia.com and check out all the great shows on there. There are lots of really great shows. Uh, what you say is my eternal favorite. So I will always plug. <laughs> people.
1: Yes. Uh, and there's also Wildbo's patron. Yes. Patreon.com forward slash wildbow. And Ruben yep. told me he had a bit for this one, so I'm going to hand it over to him. No, you don't meant to
0: do it so clunky. I was going to segue into it naturally, Elliot. <laughs> Jeez. Why don't you do that? Do it again. We'll go for another take at it. But This time, just let me jump in, you know, oh natural.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, and, you know, while you're thinking about Patreon, head on over to patreon.com forward slash wildbow.
0: Yes. Now, Elliot, I know that we all assumed that, you know, we had to pay tuition to wildbow. But actually, if you read the fine print very carefully, we don't actually have to pay him for the work that he does. But we still should, because it's good. So go over to patreon.com forward slash <laughs> Wabo and give him some money.
1: Yeah, don't be a freeloader like yeah, these Kenneteers. Yeah, don't be kenneteers. a dirty
0: freeloading Kenneteer. Pay him some tuition, God yeah.
1: it. Be like Nicolette. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's the show. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we will see you all next week for uh, more Out on a Limb, I-, I assume. <laughs>
0: hopefully i don't know maybe maybe not maybe this is the end surprisingly if this short the arc, end of the if, arc, if this was the end of the arc elliot who would the interlude be from the
1: perspective of- it's cherry pop trying to steal the milk
0: oh yes we finally get pop pop at the shops we call it um all right well that's that now that we've said that we can end the show yeah. <laughs>